Welcome this morning as you join us at Calvary Chapel Valdosta. Pastor Deshaun Van Cleve will resume delivering the word from the book of 1 Corinthians. All right, good morning. Please turn over with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to read down from verse 19 down to verse 27 this morning. We pick up in our study in Corinthians. We took a break last week and, and focused more on uh, Thanksgiving and the heart posture and attitude and uh, the way that the Christian should be. And, um, and now we'll get back into uh, 1 Corinthians as we have been journeying through this book, discovering how to reach our full potential as a Christian. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a serious thing. It's the thing that God cares about. He doesn't want a half-baked Christian. He wants one that is fully uh, grown, one that's fully mature, one that is perfect in the biblical sense, which means to be complete, lacking nothing. So if you would stand with me, we're going to start we're going to read from verse 19 down to 27 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, finish out the chapter, and then we'll pray uh, briefly and just ask the Holy Spirit to teach us and allow His uh, ministry to be here with us uh, and to remind us of all that the Lord has said to us. It says in verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 9, For though I be freed from all men, yet... Have I made myself a servant to all that I might gain the more? And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Do you not know that they which run in a race all run? But one receives the prize, so run that you may obtain and every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so I fight, not as one that beats the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And thank you for this word this morning, Lord. I pray that you could uh, illuminate our understanding and give us ears to hear from the Holy Spirit and that your presence will be here among us, Lord. And that you would give us hearts that are hungry, like Mary, where we sit at your feet and we're just desirous to hear what you have to say to us. Lord, this is what it means to be in a relationship. And uh, we, we just want to hang on every word that you say. And so, uh, Lord, please help us to understand it and grasp it. For you said, Lord, in the word, that it's been given to us to know the treasures of heaven. And Lord, we desire to know this morning. 
And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're actually going to pick up from the last message where we left off when we were talking about how do you overcome depravity? Even as we begin, we began from 1 Corinthians chapter 5 until now, how do we overcome depravity? That is just a uh, uh, ungodliness, a wickedness, and it is, it is living for yourself, it's living apart from the Lord. This is something that the Corinthians were dealing with. Uh, they were depraved in their character. They were still puffy and prideful and carnal. And so how do they overcome some of these sins and the things that are plaguing them? Well, as we pick up from the last time we left off, uh, one way is to live for the gospel. If we are living for the gospel, then we're living for something that's greater than us. If we are living for the gospel, we don't have time to live for sin. We don't have time to engage ourselves in those, those matters because living for the gospel, as we discovered in the beginning part of chapter 9, is, is living for people. Living for the gospel is not living for yourself with a selfish mindset. It's living for other people. Living for the gospel is living for progress. If you're living for the gospel, you're always moving forward. You desire to move forward. You never want to be stagnant, and you definitely never want to be going backwards. Living for the gospel is living with a purpose, as we discovered at the beginning part of the chapter. But this morning, we'll see Paul still picks up this whole theme of how the gospel should be central in our living. Uh, even as this is all just a, a, con, a context, a a, a, a contextual work from chapter 8 as he was talking to the believers there about you know not make sure that you're not trying to stumble people you're not living for yourself you you're not just living in, in your own liberties and your rights but when you're living for the gospel it's a whole different mindset and so this morning in verse uh, 19 down to verse 23 uh, we'll pick it up again. If we live for the gospel, that means that we are living for possibilities. That's what we live for. So when we live for the gospel, we're living for possibilities. We always are looking at potential. We're always looking at what can be, what could be. And this is our mindset as we go out every day. What could happen? What, what if this occurred? And, and I want to be in a position for that. And in verse 24, we'll see also how we... If you live for the gospel, that you have to live with a passion. That means live with a, a measure of fervency. You have to be hot, you know, on fire. Always at the ready. Never cold, never lukewarm. We have to be careful of that. And lastly, if we live for the gospel, we must live with preparation. We have to be prepared. Even as we're going to read a verse a little bit later, we have to be ready, instant. And so we have to prepare ourselves. And so living for the gospel, we see, is a very intentional thing. It is not something that just happens by osmosis. You know, scientifically, osmosis is when you have one thing and it, it is able, one cell is able to kind of transfer into another cell in this membrane and 
it just happens through osmosis it, it just happens naturally and it occurs regularly it, it doesn't happen like that when you live for the gospel you have to be intentional we have to be focused on these things constantly if if we are uh, to reach you know, the, the full potential and so here it says here in verse 19 of the apostle as he is talking about the gospel remember i mentioned to you uh briefly remember i mentioned last uh, the last time we were in first corinthians 9 is that romans 1 16 it tells us that the gospel is power for salvation this is why the writer said he wasn't ashamed of the gospel because it was power for salvation but it is also propulsion for living and it, it keeps us going if we have this gospel this good news in front of us keeps us moving forward and so we have to live for possibilities look what it says in verse 19 for though i be free from all men yet have i made myself servant to all for though i be free is what the writer says that word can be translated free born uh, that means that you weren't born a slave you were born a citizen free born like in that that culture in that century uh, the majority of people were slaves but the apostle here uses words uh, as a play and he says for though I be free from all men though I'm free born yet I make myself a servant to all uh, that word servant is where where you have heard that that term doulos uh, means a bond slave a willing servant and the apostle says though I'm a free man I'm making myself a slave in that time nobody would ever say anything like that in fact <clears throat> most people in that time longed for freedom if they could just buy their citizenship they could no longer be a slave they have so many more rights no one was ever thinking about going from free to becoming a slave but the apostle says this is my mindset this is how I'm going to think why he says that I might gain the more that can be translated that I might win more win more for Christ in the context he says I'm willing to subject myself and not protect myself so that I can win people for the Lord. He's not concentrated on protecting himself, but instead he wants to connect himself to others so that he can connect them to Christ. This is living for possibility because you, you're not looking to protect yourself. See, oftentimes in Christianity, this is our focus. We need to protect ourselves. I'm protecting my time. I'm protect my talents. I'm protecting my treasures. I'm going to protect, you know, my, my security. I'm protecting my emotions. I'm protecting all these things because I don't want people to get in because, you know, you can't trust people and all these other things. A part of that is true. But if we're truly living for the gospel, when you're living for possibilities, you're not looking to protect yourself. You're looking, you want to make connections with people. Not, not for your own self. You know, some people want to make connections so that they can have a reputation and things. like. But you're, you're looking to make connections because you want to connect people to Christ. And so you're looking for 
looking for little nuggets or doors and conversations. Please let this person ask me if I'm a Christian. Please let this person say, hey, you look, you, well, how do you, what did you do on Sunday? Or where are you going? Or, you know, what, what is that in your hand? You want people to ask you the question so you can get the door. And when you get that door, your mind is thinking, not that I want to connect them to some business venture or I want to connect them to you know, some relationship, and, but I want to connect them to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how the apostle was thinking. And when you're living for possibilities, for potential of, of what God could do, you're looking for doors. You're looking to connect people to Christ. So you want to connect with people. This is what the writer is saying. I want to connect with people. I want to win people for the Lord. I want to gain more people for the Lord. It's just like one of these old guys that were preaching in the past. It may have been Wesley or or could have been Moody, but uh, but they 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 uttered out a phrase and said, "Lord, give me souls or I'll die. I need to influence and impact people for the kingdom of God." And so living for possibilities is living for spiritual victories. That's what you're, that's what you're, you're caring about. You want spiritual victories in the lives of people. This is the thing that motivates you, that moves you, that encourages you when you can reach somebody for the Lord or you had an opportunity just to pray with someone or to share a verse with someone, you feel fulfilled. Yes, I did what the Lord has called me to do. Yes, I planted a seed. Yes, the Lord is using me to water something. Yes, this is great. I, God is using me in a great way. This is, this is living for spiritual possibilities, is that you're living for spiritual victories. You care about what heaven cares about. In the book of Luke, chapter 15, it tells us what heaven cares about. Heaven doesn't care that we are, uh, we're looking the part and we have the nicest vehicle and things like that and the nicest house or the nicest church or, you know, or the nicest words. That's not what heaven is focused on. It tells us in Luke chapter 15, verse 7, the Lord Jesus said, I say to you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. More than 99 just persons which need no repentance. Heaven is rejoicing when one sinner makes a decision for the gospel. That's what heaven is rejoicing in. This is what should motivate us. When we live for possibilities, we're living for spiritual victories. We want heaven to rejoice. We want to join in with that celebration. Yes, Lord. They made the choice. Yes, Lord, we're just close. And it tells us also in verse 10 of that same chapter, Luke 15, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. One sinner that makes the choice. Imagine all of heaven erupting. I remember a couple years ago seeing a, a young man at a uh, prom and and this is when Fortnite, the, the video game, came out. And, 
Everyone was watching this guy. They had a TV there and they had Fortnite going and he was on the last guy. It was a one versus one, one v one. And they're in this battle and he finally gets the victory and the whole place erupted in cheers and adulation and praise. Just imagine in your mind. That's how heaven sees one sinner that repents, man. They, yes! And so I would imagine all around this, this globe, People are repenting. And heaven is in a constant party. Imagine the feeling and the vibes going on right now in heaven. They're just thinking, yes, the Lord. People are being saved. You are using that faithful person down there, God. They're, they're living for possibilities. They're looking for doors. They're eager to convert people, to win people. This is what it means to live for possibilities is to care about what heaven cares about to have that same desire that that passion to have that eye to have that that mindset to ask more questions to not let up on people it tells us in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, verse 3, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. You see, there's great reward in living for the gospel. You will be remembered in heaven. And though heaven is all about the Lord Jesus Christ, we're not going to be up there with our posters and our names all around. At least I don't, the scriptures doesn't, it doesn't tell us that. But no doubt we'll be able to see all of the people that God has used us to impact. And many will be there saying, Lord, thank you. Lord, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Mike, if it wasn't for this person. I wouldn't be here, Lord, if they didn't stay faithful to you. I'm so thankful for this servant of yours and we would feel so ashamed we would feel so um, uh, not ashamed in a, in a bad sense but just a very just timid because we don't want to receive that glory and we, we, we weren't living like that like we just really wanted everybody to see everything that we're doing but we'll be able to see the fruit of that and so this is what uh, the apostle here is trying to communicate is that when we live for possibilities, we got to live for spiritual victories. This is what we want to rejoice in. This is what we want to be our fuel, spiritual victories. And if we don't get it, then we're like, man, Lord, I really need this. I remember hearing a, a story about uh, one of the Wesley brothers <clears throat> would always be out on the uh, circuit preaching the gospel. He'd get on his horse and he'd just go out and preach the gospel. And whenever he was out preaching people didn't want to hear at the time that they were in they didn't want to hear what he had to say and so they would throw things at him they would throw boots at him throw items at him tell him to get out of here you know because it was convicting their hearts and they didn't want to accept that word and wesley found great fuel in doing what god has called him to do well one particular time he was going on his circuits on a horse and no one was throwing anything at him. In fact, it hadn't happened for quite some time. And so immediately he thought something was wrong. He got down off of his horse, 
And he got on his knees and he said, Lord, please forgive me, Lord. I don't know. Maybe it's something that I'm doing. Maybe I'm not living for you all the way. And right at that moment, someone threw a boot and hit him right in the head. And he said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm back in the game, baby. And he got back to preaching again. See, he, he was preaching for a response. He, he wanted to make an impact. We need to look for these possibilities. This is how we got to live. And so the writer goes on to say in verse 20 of 1 Corinthians 9, And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. And to those that are under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. He says to the Jews, he's speaking of the Jewish nation. When I was around the, the Hebrew people in that culture, I was also a Hebrew. Now we know that Paul was of the Jewish nation. In the book of Philippians, I believe that was the, the book he tells us that he was a, uh, a he was the, the Jew of the Jews. Uh, this guy was, he was all the way in as far as his heritage is concerned. And so he says, when I was around them, I was a Jewish person. I made sure that they understood the nation. And maybe he, he uh, did some of the things, that the memorials and, and, and those types of things. But it wasn't just to do it and confuse people. No, he was doing this so that he could reach people. This is why he was doing it. And this guy says, look, man, I, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews, he says in Philippians chapter 3. I, I am all the way Hebrew. And when I was around these guys, whatever they did, I did so that I could reach them. I wasn't saying to myself, no, I'm a Christian now, man. You know, I am Jewish, but I'm a Christian. And I'm not, no, nah, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to take any of that, that, that unleavened bread, you know. And he was like, hey, look, let's go ahead. Let's go do a little memorial thing. You want to do that? You know, would you come with me a little bit later? I want to introduce you to some people. He was looking for doors. He said that when I am uh, with those who are under the law, I act like I was under the law. That word law in the Greek could be namas. And this is those that, uh, that are adhering strictly to the law. You could maybe put in the Pharisees in there or the, or the, or the lawyers, uh, the, 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 um, the scribes. And, and the Sadducees, these are the religious leaders. He says, when I was around them, I act like I was under the same law. I was, I'm trying to gain these guys. And then he says there in Philippians 3, that I was a Pharisee. So he comes in, he's like, all right, I know how to be able to get in this door. I know how to talk in this, in this environment so that I could possibly reach one of these guys. Do you see what he's doing? He says, to those that are without the law, I was like, I was without the law. That is the Greek word anamas. It just means opposite of one that is under the law, like a religious person. He says, I was like, I was without the law. Now, he throws in, the, in there that being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. He's saying, when I was around the unbelievers, I wasn't acting like I was an unbeliever, like, you know, as if. I, I had no bearings and I had I lacked self-control. <clears throat> he says, no, not like that, but in a freedom way for Christ. Some of the guys were going down to the amphitheater to the, the boxing match. I went with them because I'm trying to win these guys. But listen, I'm not going over to the temple 
uh, of Aphrodite and I'm not going in there, you know, with the prostitution and they say, I'm, I'm not doing it in sin. And this is why he said, not without law to God. I'm not out there just walking in sin, but I'm looking for doors, man. And if it's not something that is sinful, I'm taking that door so I can reach this person. You see, it wasn't, I'm taking this door so I can enjoy myself and enjoy my rights and my freedom so I can reach this guy. But I'm not going to put myself in a situation that's going to cause me to sin, is what he's saying. He says, why is he doing it? That I might gain them that are without the law. And he says, to the weak, I became as weak. The Greek word there is asthenes. That's what it means. And it could mean weak in the mind, infirm, feeble, one whose conscience is weak. If we stick with the context of chapter 8, he was talking about the weak brother in chapter 8, the one that has a weak conscience, the one that is not all the way in, and maybe he's still wrestling with some things concerning Christianity, and he's trying to feel his way through, and he's not all the way on meat, and he's still drinking milk. He says, hey, to the weak, I became as weak. You know, if they're not eating certain things, they're not going there, I'm not doing it. I'm with them because I want to gain them. This guy had a mindset that his whole life, his whole living mind state was to bring people into the company of the living. This is what his whole life was dedicated to. I need to bring these people from the company of the dead into the company of the living, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. Now, <clears throat> when we look at these four classes that he's mentioning, the heritage class, the Jews, when we look at the holy class, the religious people, those under the law, we look at the heathen class, those that are without the law, the unbelievers, and even the hesitant class of people. When you look at those four classes, this guy is only concentrating on what is similar, what he can relate to with these people. This is where his mind is concentrating on. He's not concentrating on how they differ from him, but how he relates to them. And this is living for possibility because he wants to reach them, so he's looking for things that he can relate to. I like how Rebecca Pippert said in her book, out of the salt shaker and into the world. She said, too often we broadcast with people what we don't do instead of trying to discover genuine points of contact. We, we always broadcast that we'll be, no, I don't go there. No, I don't watch this. No, I don't do that. Instead of looking for doors and saying, oh, wow, this person is a movie buff. Well, I could come in this way and say, hey, I've seen some of these movies too. Being very careful not to skirt into sin, like Paul said, not without Lord of God, but you're looking for doors, discovering genuine points of contact. That, that just means that maybe somebody likes something that is probably ungodly or is probably, you know, idolatry and all these other things, but yet you're not even looking at that. Your mind is saying, I like to do this. They like to do this. Let's see how I can connect with this person. Let's see how I can make this person likes to eat. I notice they like to cook, but I really want to reach them for Christ. Well, I'm going to be talking about, I'm going to be talking about articles that I read about cooking. I'm going to be talking about recipes that I've heard about cooking every time I talk with them so that I could get a door and kind of talk to them about the Lord. 
That is a person that lives with possibilities. They're looking for opportunity. And they're looking for genuine points of contact. They're, they're trying to discover this. And I love that book, Out of the Salt Shaker, Into the World, because she only talks about just opportunities and ways to be yourself. Now, I don't see the apostle here not being himself. I see him looking for genuine points of contact. And just through his experience, he's had these types of uh, these relations uh, in which he could connect with people. And I think if we look at ourselves in the same way, we can connect with a lot of people. We, we just have to look for it that way. As you talk to people, you'll hear what they are saying. And I think a lot of times that'll help you with your gospel living and your living for possibilities. When you talk to people, let them talk. Ask as many questions as possible because those questions are going to lead you to the right door. As they talk more and more, you'll be able to discover the things that they are very much interested in. And as you discover the things that they're interested in, it'll start popping up in your mind the things that you might do that can help lead you to this bridge to get them to Christ. So let them talk. Because the thing that people love the most is to talk about themselves. Oh, really? Tell me some more about that. Oh, interesting. How do you like that? Just let them go. And then that door will come. I think a lot of times we struggle with is we're like, how do I get to them? How do I get the gospel out? And, you know, and then we just come out with something that is so unnatural. Like, hey, um, are you a Christian? You know, and they're like, oh, this guy is so disingenuous. I, I can't talk to this guy. But if you're really going to be a sharpshooter, if you're going to live with possibilities, if you're going to live for the gospel, ask those questions. Listen. And the door will come. And the points in which you guys might find something similar will come. And then you use that avenue to be able to share with people. You just start talking about that. And the more you talk about that, something will come out of someone's heart. And that will give you an opportunity. And, you know, in times past, one of the techniques that I use oftentimes is that I'll talk with people. I'll get this relation thing. We'll get on this certain topic. And if it never moves to a door, a spiritual door, I'll just... I'll just open up a door and say something to the degree like, man, you're, you're a real blessing. How could I pray for you? Yes. When you bring it there, you now put it on the spiritual aspect. And now if that person's heart has been connected with you and they're like, man, I like this. I'm going to just share something. And people oftentimes at that point will share something with me. Very serious. Well, if you could just pray for this situation in my life. And that just gives me a door now. So every time I see them, I can talk about the things that we like, but I can also go back to the spiritual thing we talked about until it's fully open and I can introduce them to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about living for possibilities. This is what the apostle here says. That by all means, in verse 22 of chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians, that I might by all means save some. And I do this for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. Notice he says, by all means, save some. We might put it this way, by some means, I might save some. He realized that he's not going to save all, but he's going to do whatever it took, whatever it takes to save just a few. He's putting 100% in, though he might not get 100% out. Some of us are only putting in 
because we're thinking I'm only going to get 20%. So why should I give my all? He's like, man, by all means, saving some, I am made all things to all men that by all means, I might save some, just a few. I'm looking for possibilities. I'm living for possibilities. I want doors for the Lord. I want to reach people. And this is what it's this is what it's all about. And so he goes on to say and switches it up. <coughs> Excuse me. He says, because I do this for the gospel's sake. Now some people can say, you know, this is legalism, and you know, I don't have to try to, I could just live my but he says, if you're living for the gospel, you're doing it for the gospel's sake. Not only do you want these people to be a partaker of the good news of Jesus Christ? But he wants to also be a partaker of it. He wants to be in heaven saying, that person got it, Lord. Amazing. And guess what? God used you to touch this person. And then that person, God dynamically used to touch a thousand other people. And you get to enjoy that fruit. This is what the apostle says. I get to enjoy the fruit of this. And so he reminds them. Don't live for yourself. Chapter 8. Don't live for your own freedoms, your own rights, and what you get to. Live for the gospel. Live for possibilities, opportunities, potential. And then he says in verse 24, he shows us that we got to live passionately. We got to live with a passion. We got to have a fervency about us. He says, do you not know that they which run in a race all run? but one receives the prize. Let me transfer us into the setting of the time. There were two famous games that were held uh, in this first century and even before the first century they were started. It was the Olympic Games and the Isthmian Games. The Olympic Games there in Athens in Greece and then the Isthmian Games there in Corinth. These were very popular contests between athletes. So every person that was reading this letter and got to that point in which the apostle said, do you not know that all they which run in a race all run? They knew exactly what he was talking about. They knew about these games. They were very popular. I mean, people love this, this, this idea of contests and sport and and put their bets on certain athletes, and they loved it. And so they could very much relate. Yes, I do know, when they all run, everybody is running, but only one person is going to get that prize. What does that tell us, then, about the people that are running? That, that tells us that they are running with a measure of fervency because they want to receive the crown. They want to become the victor. That word prize there is brabion, or it is where the Latin word comes from, uh, brav, bravium or bravium. And it is, it is the, the, the prize that the victor gets at the end of the race. Everybody was looking for that, that prize in those games. And though it was just a corruptible thing because we're going to read that in verse 25 it was something it was just a it was a, a a wreath of pines because there were a lot of pine trees there uh in that location and so all they did was take the wreath of pines off and and give it to them i mean it, it would be destroyed but everybody was gunning for this prize 
And so he's saying, look, guys, you need to run that you may obtain. You need to run in a way that you're going to obtain the prize. Everybody is going to be running, but only those that are fervent about it are going to obtain the prize. He's saying as a Christian, we have to use the same measure of fervency that an athlete uses in competition. This is how we gain the prize. We're living for the gospel. We've got to live passionately. We have to live fervently. We can't live in just coolness. It tells us over in the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 11, to not be slothful in business, but it says, uh, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. He was telling the Christians, don't be slothful in, in walking with the Lord and honoring the Lord and worshiping the Lord and even in this gospel living, but be fervent in spirit. That means to be boiling over, is what the translation is there in Romans 12, 11, to be boiling over. You have to be at a point where you are so hot. You want this opportunity. You want this person to know the Lord. And so you're going to do whatever it takes. That's how the runners are. They're running in these games and they just want this crown. They just want to be known as the champion. And as a Christian, if you are living for the gospel, then you want to make impact. So you are moving in a way that you could reach people. Now, the thing, the tragedy of our day and the thing that we deal with is that many Christians, we want all the fruits, but we don't want the roots. I mean, that's just like the world. The world wants Christian, Christian fruits with no roots. But, you know, most people, they want to be known as nice. They want to be known as kind. They want to be known as someone you could trust. And they want to be known as someone that has all of these qualities and their exemplary and character and all these things, but they don't want the roots that go with that, just the outward appearance. But here he says, look, if, you, if you're going to spend, you got to spend yourself. If you want this thing, you got to go get it. If you want to live for the Lord, you want to make an impact for the Lord, you got to spend everything. In fact, that's what the word run means. He says, when he says run in verse 24, that you may obtain. That word run means to spend one's strength, to exert and exhaust yourself so that you can get this prize. You're going to do whatever it takes to get the prize. But too many of us are not willing to go the extra mile. We want to be spiritual, but we don't want to put in the work that, that it takes to become spiritual. We want the blessings of God, but we don't want to honor God in a way that will bring the blessings of God. We like having people come to us and ask us questions, but we don't want to put in the time to get all the answers so that we can answer those questions. We, we don't want to do that. And this is what he says. If you're going to run, you got to run so that you can get this prize. you got to run with fervency, with heat, with passion. Now, what's the opposite of running? We might say the opposite of running is stopping, right? Some people might say walking, but you're still moving. But the opposite of running 
the stopping. And not one athlete in those games had that even in their mind, that I was going to stop. They were running so that they could get this prize. The opposite of running is stopping. And the Christian that is not advancing is going backwards. We can't be moving backwards. We have to keep advancing. We, we shouldn't be cooling off. We have to be getting hotter and hotter for the Lord. No one should be able to look at your life two years ago and say you're the same. Or say that, you know, you have, you're not what you were. Those are not compliments. People should look at our lives and say, wow, the way they were five years ago, two years ago, three weeks ago, they're much different today. The way they were yesterday, they're different today. They are just growing. They're boiling over and over and over until they're so hot for the Lord. This is where we need to be. And so he goes on in verse 25 down to verse 27 to give us a whole different mindset of this idea of just living for the gospel and living with a passion, being fervent. He says in verse 25, And every man that strives for the mastery is self-controlled in all things, temperate. That is the word there, self-controlled. He is temperate in all things. Everyone that strives for the mastery, that phrase, strive for the mastery, is actually one Greek word, and it means to agonize for the prize. It's one word. Every man that agonizes for this prize, he is self-controlled in every way. He controls himself. Disciplined. Every man. He says, now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. Look, this is all about living with preparation. You're being prepared. If we're living for the gospel, we're living with preparation. We have to be prepared at all times, ready to go. This is what it says in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4. The writer encourages Timothy, he says, to preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. He tells them, be ready when the time is favorable and even when it's not. Somebody might come up to you even when you're not even ready. You might be getting out your car, getting ready to go into the grocery store, got your grocery list in your hand, not even realizing that someone says, excuse me, I just need to ask a question. You know, I'm struggling. I really need help with this. Or, excuse me, um, can I ask you a question? Those are nice shoes. All of a sudden, your mind switches gears. This is an opportunity. This is a possibility. I'm looking. I'm ready. Because every man, as he says, that strives for the mastery, that agonizes for this goal, this prize, man, he is self-controlled. He is ready at all times. He's prepared. We know that proper preparation prevents poor performance. This is how important it is to have those five Ps in your life. We have to be prepared properly so that we don't have a poor performance. The poor performance comes from a lack of preparation. 
And here we see that it's important that, that we prepare in that time those athletes of the Ismian Games. They would prepare, actually they would take an oath and sign a contract that they would prepare for 10 months. 10 months without pleasure, 10 months without confections, that's sweets and sugar and whatever it is. 10 months they would prepare for the games. They had to all take an oath that they would do it for 10 months. These are people that are going to strive for this, this prize. They're going to agonize for it. So they're going to do whatever it takes. And so we see that the, the preparation was just as important as the prize itself. Preparation for the prize was just as important as the prize itself. This is why that statement is so true that I heard long ago that time spent sharpening the axe is not wasted time. If you're going to cut this tree down, you got to have a sharp axe. So then that means you've got to spend time sharpening the axe. And so a lot of us look at that time as like, well, I don't want to do that. That's boring. I don't want to read the Bible every day. I don't want to pray every day. I don't want to go to Bible study every week. I want breaks. I want to be able to enjoy myself. I want to, and so when you're thinking that way, you're not spending your time preparing. And when the preparation is not key, then you will not reach that prize. This is what he's saying, is that this guy is self-controlled in everything. He's striving for it. He wants to reach it. But listen, he says they do it, speaking of the athletes, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. They're doing it to get a crown that's going to perish in about a couple days. But we, an incorruptible crown, we're doing it for a crown that cannot perish. We're doing it for a crown that we'll receive for all of eternity. We'll be remembered for. We have a greater value of our agonizing to look forward to. He says, Therefore I so run, not as uncertainly, and so I fight, not as one beating the air, the apostle says, listen, the way that I'm living, man, I'm not wasting time. I'm not throwing punches just to throw punches. I'm not throwing out words just to throw out words, talking carelessly and aimlessly. And I'm not just going to this place just to go. I'm looking for doors. I'm not shadow boxing. That's what it means when it says beat the air. I'm not somebody like a boxer that's just punching the air around. I, I'm trying to land punches. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's using these, these athletes and this imagery to show us. And many of these people that would have been listening to these words uh, would understand clearly. They would think about the last fight and the boxer that knocked the guy out. And they would be thinking to themselves, man, that guy was hitting every single punch. He says, this is how I am. I'm not just out here missing shots. I'm living intentionally. I'm not wasting time. I'm looking for doors because I know that I may not have these same possibilities, these same opportunities every single day. And so the apostle says, listen, this is why I'm running this way. He says, I'm running like this in verse 27, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Now, some of your Bibles might say, 
but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. And that is probably uh, is, is more of a, uh, a light translation of this phrase. It, is, it simply means that it, it means a bruise under the eye. It means to beat black and blue, have a black eye. That's what he says. When he says, I keep under my body, he's saying, I beat my body. Now, this is not asceticism, which people use, like, if you punish your body, it'll help you achieve some measure of holiness. And in times past, and maybe even now, people would do that. They would cut themselves, hurt themselves, starve themselves, chain themselves up, and so that they can get rid of sin. In fact, this is how Martin Luther first started out, until he realized that it was by grace. He is saved. Grace changes everything. Not hurting yourself, beating yourself. What Paul is not saying there is not that he's beating his flesh and punishing himself. He's saying that he is he's putting himself in such uh, straits so that he could achieve a goal. He's agonizing. This is how he's running. He's doing it, and this is why people put discipline there, because that is part of discipline is that you are resist, you are restricting yourselves and you're resisting certain things so that you can achieve something else. In fact, I think that's why Usain Bolt stopped running. He said he was tired of the regimen. He didn't want to keep having to train. It was, it was highly exhaustive to train to be the fastest person in the world, and he, he needed to relax. It's like, I don't, I don't want to keep doing this forever. This is what Paul says, that I'm bringing it into subjection. Other people, chapter 8, they were just enjoying all of the, the fruits of, hey, man, I'm drinking, I'm over here, I'm eating this steak that was at this time. I mean, it doesn't bother me. I know it's just steak, it's just drink, it's just this. And they're doing all these things, and they're not even caring about people. And Paul says, listen, I bring... I bring it all under subjection to the will of God, what, I, what God wants me to do. He says, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So I don't want to be a, a person that is disqualified. Disqualified from what? Not salvation. He's not talking about castaway from salvation. He's saying castaway from the prize. Disqualified from the prize. No athlete that is running is going to do something and then they come find out that, oh, you weren't, you weren't doing the 10 months of preparation. We saw you. You were down at the confectionery shop and you were eating and, and all this other stuff and we saw you were partying. Nobody's going to do that because they don't want to be disqualified from the prize, the reward. Is that serious? Paul says, I don't want to be disqualified from the prize. And so I proclaim the gospel to others, but I also receive it from myself. Because the best messages are living messages. He says, this is why I'm, I'm doing these things. When I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. I don't want to be disqualified from this thing. And so I'm doing whatever it takes to get to this prize. And he's telling the Corinthian brothers, the brethren there, sisters and brothers, he's telling them, listen, you need to live for the gospel. 
But living for the gospel means you got to live for possibilities, potential, opportunities, what the Lord wants you to do. You got to live for that. You got to look for doors and points of contact and not just be so focused on yourself. That's a hard thing today in the world that we live because the world is all about self, self gratitude, self attitude, all these other things. Like, this is all about self right now. And we really need the Lord Jesus to help us to think about others, to live for others, and then to live with a passion. We're going to live for the gospel. We've got to be living with passion, with fervency, with heat. Each day we're getting up reading the word so that we can have more heat. And what I have found is that when I just get up and I spend time in the word of God, I may not get some grand word. I might not even get anything of, of great significance. It may not seem like. But guess what? It might be a week later, two weeks later, that I might be talking to someone. And that same passage that I was reading a couple weeks ago comes up in my mind. And all of a sudden, I get the understanding of what I had read. And it's for this moment, for this person. But if you don't have those times, or if those times are sporadic, that means you're not regular, you're not consistent, then you're going to be missing out on great opportunities. And then we got to live like we're preparing. We got to live with preparation. Always ready, agonizing, disciplining, putting our body under subjection. All the things that we want to do, our rights, for whatever God wants to do. And being ready for that. So he can use us in such a great way. This is how we can overcome depravity. Is if we're living for the gospel. We would like for you to stay in touch and up to date with us. Follow us on Twitter at cc underscore Valdosta. And visit our website at ccvaldosta.weebly.com For additional information about Calvary Chapel Valdosta. And an archive of previous sermons. You can reach us by phone at 301-395-3382. Calvary Chapel Valdosta is a fellowship of believers committed to the study of the Word of God and seeking the things that are Jesus Christ's. Let us now end in prayer. Let's pray together. And I thank you, Lord, for your Word. And I thank you for 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and a reminder that we should be in pursuit of the things that last on this earth, the things that are eternal, and those are souls. And so I pray that you could help us, Lord, to always be in the ready, always to, to be at your feet, being filled up by you so we can be poured out for you. We thank you, Lord, for these words, and I pray you would continue to speak to us and encourage us in Jesus' name. Amen.